Well, it's good to be back this evening. Uh, it's Thursday night, time for midweek refuel. Always good to stop right halfway uh, through the week and, and give thanks, give worship to God. Uh, just check our heart, you know, put, a, put the stethoscope to our heart and check how things are going. What a, what a season we're living in. What a time, what a chapter. And uh, we could go on to tell our our children, grandchildren that we live during a pandemic. That's in uh, that's incredible, it really is. But uh, with all the changes and all that's going on, we need to be even more um, focused on who God wants us to be. Even more focused on who God wants us to be. So this evening, uh, which is our midweek refuel, what I hope to accomplish is essentially uh, just looking into God's word and uh, and, and, and meditating on it. This is not a teaching. Uh, this is not the theological coverage of these passages. In fact, I would have to, I would need hours to get into these passages if you want to really study it as theology and, and a subject and topic and background and meanings of the words and things like that. So what we're really doing is scanning parts of uh, the New Testament to, to go back to the basics and say, Lord, who are we? The church, who have you called us to be? Is, is Are you happy with us? Is there anything you would like us to change? Lord, you've rattled the church. Front and center, you've rattled the church. You've, you've taken out everything that is familiar to us. We find ourselves uh, almost, we don't, we don't, there's nothing familiar anymore. And uh, with that, Lord, how do we go forward? What do you want us to? To be so that's kind of what the Lord has been pressing on my heart, and I've been further pressing it on your heart, you members of my own church, uh, members of the larger church, and any and everybody who's who's uh, seeking uh, a midweek sort of a refuel and a recharge have joined me this evening. So it is uh, it is exactly that we're looking to God to to feed us with what He uh, wants us to be. As we meditate on that, we want to spend the evening essentially over the next few minutes looking into a passage of scripture, praying for the church, praying for uh, God to do what we have asked him to do and what he wants to do with the church. Tonight, here we are, and we're looking at Colossians chapter 1, verse 1 to 14. I'm, I'm, I'm attempting the first 14 verses just to scan through that and to kind of get to uh, get to a place where we can pray the will of God into our lives. As people join us, I hope that uh, they will get comfortable. Let's invite our speaker. Let's invite our tutor uh, to speak to us here from Colossians chapter 1, one of the most beautiful passages in Scripture. Lord Jesus, I don't have the wisdom or the words or the skill to deal adequately with the oracles that are in Scripture that are given to us in our hands. But what I do have is the mandate. I do have the call on my life to preach the word, to preach the sound word, and to feed the flock. To that end, as we open the scriptures, Lord, refuel us, recharge us, renew us, revive us. In Jesus' name, amen. 
All right, if you got your notes, uh, grab your notes um, or your Bibles. You should have a Bible. You should have a notebook alongside. If you, uh, if you manage to, to print it out like this and you're able to, I don't know if you're seeing a mirror image or not, but if you manage to print it out like this double space, then what, what it allows you to do is kind of mark and, and, and chop and change and kind of uh, follow the, the thought process of breaking the passage down into uh, meaningful text. Okay, let's begin. This is Colossians chapter 1, and I'm only going to do three chapters. The reason? Because we're looking at the passages of Scripture that redefine the church and who we are called to be. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. So that's the greeting. He starts off. Paul's, of course, the author. He's talking to, uh, and he's, he's, he's writing along with Timothy. He took Timothy along wherever he went. And he's writing to the saints, verse 2, to the saints and the faithful brothers in a church at Colossae, hence the title Colossians, in a church at Colossae. So there was one church. They weren't like separate churches. There was like one church to the church in Colossae, to the church in Ephesus, to the church in uh, Galatia, like that. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. Thanksgiving and prayer follows in verse 3 through to verse 8. We always thank God. This is something Paul does, and I've mentioned this before. Uh, so we're going to look into that just a little bit this evening. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. So, yes, it is a greeting. It is a greeting. But Paul also connects the reason for his thanks. Paul also connects the reason for his thanks to the person he's writing to, you know. So imagine you're writing a letter and I'm writing, or I'm writing a letter, and I'm writing a letter to a particular person, and I say I thank God for you. You're not just saying that you pray and give thanks to God. You're saying that I pray and give thanks to God with my mind revolving around who you are and what you mean to me and what uh, what is going on in your life and what's what's valuable to your life. You get that? So there is a there are two things. There is my relationship with God and my relationship with you. And my relationship with you fuels my relationship with God. And my relationship with God fuels my relationship with you. When I have both of them and both are healthy, then when I'm talking to God, I thank God for you. And when I'm talking to you, I praise God with you. I, I share God with you. So when I'm talking to you, God's the subject. And when I'm talking to God, you're the subject. <laughs> Imagine a community that just did that. Imagine the joy. Imagine, imagine the love, the compassion, the ministry value of a community. When they're talking to God, they're praying for the other believers. And when they're talking to believers, they're talking about God. Imagine the life in a community like that. So that you've got to understand the dynamic of the relationship. And so it's not just saying Paul's, Paul. Paul greeting and saying, I thank God for you. He says, I thank God for you. And this is why I thank God for you. Verse 4. Since we heard, circle heard, since we heard of your faith in Christ. So he's not talking about the first time. He's talking about every time I hear about your faith. Because later on he says that Timothy came to me and he told, sorry, Epaphras, uh, right at the end of chapter 1, which you won't see here. But Epaphras came to me and he told us about you. So there's this ongoing testimonial of how are the believers doing? How are the believers doing? You know, in our church, we, we don't do that. We, uh, in our day and age, we, we don't really do that nowadays. In fact, you know, uh, we don't tell 
we don't like to interfere. We don't like to invade the spiritual life of a person or a family. It's been told to us by liars that the spiritual life of faith is a very private matter. And my walk with God is a very private matter. That person who thinks like that and who says that, who believes that, has not read the Bible, has not read Ephesians chapter 3, has not read the concept of being joined together. We all grow as one. All of us, different members, yet belonging to one another, this member connected to this member, this member connected to this, the health of, the, of every member of the body contributing to the health of the overall body. And as we're connected with every joint and tissue, we grow together and the whole body matures. Any believer who says that my faith is a private matter, my faith, uh, you know, is, is, is an inter- you don't interfere with my faith, is, is wrong. So coming back to what we're talking about, I must take an interest in your spiritual well-being. It is, it is imperative that I take it. Why? Because you are a member of me and I'm a member of you and we both are a member of the body of Christ. So if I'm not interested in you, it's like saying, my hand doesn't care when my leg gets hurt or when my thigh gets hurt or when my side is paining. My hand doesn't care enough to go and press it and say, are you paining? What is wrong? Or my hand doesn't protect my, the rest of my body from, from getting hurt or from, from something else that's coming my way. You get that? You, you get the analogy. I'm, it's simple, but you get the analogy of what I'm trying to say. How can you not care? How can a member not desire the, the upkeep, the maturity, the welfare of another member of the church? So this is an interesting point to just stop and think. Lord, do we need to change our thinking? Do we need to think differently? Because we have been taught, and we live in a day and age, it's called postmodern, post-postmodern, and all that nonsense. We live in a day and age where we're told faith is a private matter, and we don't invade each other's faith. Well, faith is what brings you to God, but once your faith brings you into Christ, you are now public matter. You and I are now, we belong to each other. So your faith is 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 important because it will affect my success as a believer and my faith is important. So with that said, with that said, and I say this as the foundation to what we're about to talk about, because if I don't believe this, I'm not going to do what Paul is doing here. Okay, so we understand that. Verse 4, since we heard of your faith in Christ, so we brought report, Epaphras brings reports of how they are doing back in Colossia, the church in Colossia. He says, now he mentions the three big things. Since we heard of the faith in Christ, and the love that you have for all the saints, for all the saints, not just your own church. You love all churches. You love all people across. You've shown that in your ministry. You've shown that in your giving, etc. And because of the hope, circle hope laid up for you in heaven, obviously because hope is not here. Hope is somewhere else. You, 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 hope is what you're looking forward to. It hasn't happened yet. So your faith in the now, your love in the circumstances and your hope in the future faith hope and love where did you read that that's corinthians chapter 13 1 corinthians chapter 13 and faith hope and love uh, are left of, of of which the greatest is love right so faith hope and love is is the context it is the three legs of the standing of a believer how's your faith how's your hope how's your love oh my love's okay 
but I'm struggling with hope. My hope's okay, but I'm struggling to love. My love is okay, my hope is okay, but my faith is struggling. All three areas are vital to the standing of the believer. And remember, a three, a tripod has a lot more stability than just two legs. So we stand strong when all three are going well. So Epaphras comes to Paul, tells Paul, these guys are doing great. So he says, I heard about your faith, heard of your love, heard of your hope, laid up for heaven. Of this, you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. Of this, of what? Of the hope that's laid up for you in heaven. So he's referring back to that. Of this hope that was laid up in heaven for you, you have heard before in the word of truth, in the gospel. That gospel which has come to you, circle gospel, circle has come to you. That hope which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world, is bearing fruit and increasing. You saw that? Is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you. From the day you heard it, from the day you understood it, the grace of God and truth. Okay, so let's go back, rewind, and let's get the meat of this little passage right here. I know that Paul is just starting out, so he couldn't possibly be hitting some big subjects, obviously. But but you see the mindset, the perspective with which Paul is talking to these guys. He says, so, since we've heard about you, we've been thanking God for you. We've been praying for you whenever we pray. What did we hear about you? We heard about your faith. We heard about your hope. We heard about your love. Where did you hear about this hope? You heard about it from the gospel which came to you. And that gospel that came to you came to the whole world. So it came to everyone else just as much as it came to you. But you guys responded. You guys live off it. So you guys are the most blessed from it. Okay? And it's bearing fruit. See, the whole world received the gospel, but the whole world didn't receive Christ. They all heard the gospel, they didn't receive it. But you received it, and therefore it is bearing fruit and increasing. Okay? So you get this idea of growth, of, of, of productivity, of increase. It's bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you. Since the day you heard and understood, heard and understood, heard and understood the grace of God in truth. These are the factors that enable a person to bear fruit in an increasing manner. You hear the gospel and you understand the gospel. You give it you give it thought, you give it study and you understand the deep things of God. And when you do that, it results in fruit in increasing fruit. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful member of Christ on our behalf and he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. So Epaphras is the guy who came, told us all about it. Few more verses. Let me do from verse 9 to 14 for our evening devotion today. Praying for, quote unquote, praying for, this is a recurring theme, not only in the Pauline epistles, but also throughout the scriptures. But Paul really hammers it in because Paul's writing to the church and he's kind of giving the memorandum of understanding. The memorandum of understanding how the church functions. Paul wrote about the, the, the theology of the church. He wrote about the leadership of the church. He wrote, along with Titus and Timothy, about the, 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 the growth of the leadership and second and third line of leadership. He, talk, he talked about the problems in the church in 1 Corinthians. He talked about further issues in 2 Corinthians. He talks about the giving and sacrifice in Thessalonians and the coming of Christ in, second, in, in Thessalonians. You see what I'm saying? So Paul is the one that has really labored to establish the church. 
Peter established the church with the Jews. Paul established the church with the Gentiles. And obviously the Gentiles are the larger ones. So Paul established the church. And in doing so, you have to keep hearing carefully. Paul keeps saying, that praying for, praying for, praying for is a recurring theme. It's a recurring theme in the early church, and the apostles modeled it. The apostles did it, the church did it. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. Uh, they were devoted to prayer. They were devoted to prayer. And we've been talking about that back at our church. And we've been talking about how groups can get together and find a devotion to prayer. And I've just challenged my church to just start with 10 minutes in every group. 10 minutes. Don't go more than 10 minutes. Start with 10 minutes. We, we aim too high. We aim too big. And we fail. We get discouraged. We walk away. Just 10 minutes. 10 minutes will then turn to 15 minutes. 15 minutes will turn to 20 minutes. It'll turn into hunger. It'll turn into uh, a desire. And finally, it'll turn into the first resort rather than the last resort when we pray. It'll turn from needs into revival and renewal. So, verse 9. Would you please circle and so. And so. So there's the outcome of what Paul has heard, what Paul has gotten. Okay, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased, we didn't stop to pray for you. Second time. Okay, So first he says, every time we pray for you, we give thanks to gangs to God. So every time we pray for you. But since we heard about how you're doing, we haven't stopped praying for you. So it seems like, it seems like Paul... And the early church, they built prayer around people who were doing well. Did you get what I mean here? We are always praying for the Eragera. We're always praying for the lost. The lost meaning they came to church and then got lost. We're always praying for the people who have fallen away. We're always praying for the people. You, 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 know, you know, Paul is not saying don't pray for them. But the model we see here, the apostles, is... We pray for those who are doing great in the Thessalonians. Thank God for you guys. We are praying that nothing stop you, nothing hinder you. Colossians, Corinthians, he says, we're praying that you stay strong. We're praying that you stay hard. hard Every single book of, of what, in the New Testament, especially what Paul... So if you get what I'm saying, should we pray for people to be who are backstabbing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should we pray for people who, who, who are struggling in their walk with God? Yeah, 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 sure, sure. Should we, but it seems like in the old in the New Testament, prayer was a mighty work of the Spirit of God, pushing us to unceasingly pray for those who are doing well, for the leaders, for the small group leaders, for the couples, for the families who are doing well. See what happens is our focus is on the lost, the ones who are sidelined, the ones who are not doing great, and we don't pray prayer of protection, prayer of uh, infusement of the spirit of God, the hope, faith, hope, love. We don't pray over the new, the people who are doing well. And what happens is they're left unguarded. And Satan takes them out. One by one, Satan takes them out. Exams come. Miss church three weeks. He gets, uh, he gets extra duty or extra work or extra thing. Can't come one week, can't come two weeks. She has some problem either with work or health or children or can't come two, three weeks. And a family that was doing great has fallen away. So Paul says, we pray and we pray for those who are doing well. We thank God in the first verse. We thank God 
But over here, we do not cease to pray for you, asking God for certain things. So that's what we're going to look at this evening. Okay. What did Paul, first of all, he prays for people who are already doing well. Let's keep that in mind. That means we need to really, really fuel the people who are doing well. <coughs> he prays for them and he this is what he says. I'm asking them for, and let's let's start listing it. We have four things that Paul prays for. Four things. Okay. Number one, asking you, asking God that you may be, circle this word, filled. Asking God that you may be filled. Filled with the knowledge of His will. Filled with the knowledge of His will. First and foremost, believers who are doing well, believers who love Jesus, believers who are walking, they're showing enthusiasm, they're showing commitment, they're getting involved in ministry. We're like, chalo, yaar, very good, they are actively involved, chodo, we don't have to pray for them, they are fine. And we pray for the eragera, we pray for the lost, we pray for the uninterested. If they are eragera, if they are lost, if they are uninterested, it means God is not working in their life. If God is not working in our, this is going, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying, but listen carefully. If God is not working in their life, it means their heart is pridefully not responding to the work of the Holy Spirit in their life right now. So should we pray that they come back to God? Yes, 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 yes. But the moment we take our eyes off the ones who are actually doing well, who are in the heart of the uh, uh, the work of God, who in the church of God, then we take our eyes off them, then Satan takes them out. So he says, pray for four things for them. Number one, Pray that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will. So we pray that those who are doing well know what God wants. They may know what God wants. Many believers, they behave like they don't know what God wants. They, they make decisions based on what they want, but they don't seem to know what God wants. And look at what He says and how He says it. That you may be filled with the knowledge that's not feeling, that's not revelation, that's not mystery, that's not a worship experience. He says, filled with the knowledge of His will, that's God's will. How? In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That means you get it, you process it, you live it, you work it, you prove it, you prove that this is His good and perfect will. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. You prove that this is his good and perfect will. You act it out. So he says, we pray, we feel that they will be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom. That means there's street smart, there's book smart, there's worldly smart, there's emotionally smart, and then there's spiritually smart. And we pray that you would be spiritually smart, spiritually filled with wisdom and with understanding. See, there's thinking with my brain and there's thinking in the spirit. And that's why he says, you have the mind of Christ. You have been given, uh, Philippians chapter 2, you have been given the mind of Christ so that you can think and process the thoughts of God. Uh, that's just incredible. That is that, that the believer should be given those, those capacities are just incredible. So that's what we pray for believers. So when you're praying in groups, when you're praying for, for family, when you're praying for loved ones, you don't need a groceryless prayer. You don't need to know what their needs are. You need to be praying what God wants for them. And that is, number one, that you're filled with the holy, filled with the knowledge of His will. 
The second thing is, and it is a flow out of number one, if you are filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and all understanding, all spiritual wisdom and all understanding, you will further walk in the same way that you are filled, you will walk. In the same measure that you are filled, you will walk. Look at verse 10, so as, same measure, just in the same way. Filled, walk. Not filled, not walk. Filled much, walk much. Verse 10, so as. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So now he says, as I pray for you, I'm going to pray that you will be filled with all knowledge, uh, with the knowledge of all, all spiritual wisdom and understanding. If you get that, you'll walk. You'll walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Okay, so I've got to now ask my que the question, what is the walk that he is, that will result in being filled with the understanding uh, uh, and all the spiritual wisdom? What does a believer look like, act like, sound like, talk like when he's filled with all spiritual wisdom and understanding? So you break that down in four little bits right there in verse 10. So, so, you, so as to walk in a manner, number one, worthy of the Lord, worthy of the Lord. It matches the joy of the Lord, it matches the wisdom of the Lord, it matches the sanctification, the holiness of God, the, 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 the purposes of God in a manner worthy of the, I don't need to explain that to you, but you understand that as you think about it. Number one, worthy of the Lord. Number two, fully pleasing to him. See, the, the, the person who is walking in the knowledge of God, who knows God's will with all spiritual wisdom and understanding, desires to please God more than anybody else. If anyone else is to be pleased, God is to be pleased the most. Number three, C. Number one, worthy of the Lord. He walk a man worthy. Number two, fully pleasing to him. Number three, bearing fruit in every good work. You see that? Bearing fruit in every good work. So we want believers and we pray for believers to be filled with the knowledge of his will. That results with all wisdom and all understanding in bearing fruit in every good work. So you are productive in the good things that God is doing for you. What good work? Go back to Ephesians chapter 2. You have been chosen by grace through faith, not a gift, not unto yourselves, not that you may boast, but this is the work of God. And you have been, uh, you have been set apart and you are God's workmanship, prepared in advance for good things that God wants to do in you. So God wants certain spiritual realities, spiritual fruit, spiritual outcomes from your life. These are pre-decided. Great things. Jesus said, greater things you will do than me. Okay? So if Jesus knocked it out the park, you're going to knock it out the park as well. You're going to hit success as well. So great things you will do. So the bearing fruit in every good work is something that a believer is going to do if he is filled with the knowledge of the will of God in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. How do we pray for people? How do we pray for people? We pray that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will. See, once you know what God wants, you can take it from there. You will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. You'll be fully pleasing to him. You'll be bearing fruit in every good work. And fourthly, you'll be increasing in that very same knowledge. Because as you know God's will, God works in you, you bear fruit, you're pleasing to him, you're worthy of his calling. What do you want to do now? What do you want more now? You want to know him even more. 
And that whole cycle rolls around even more. And the life of the believer, week to week, month to month, year to year, is a greater knowledge. I know his will. I live his will out. Pleasing, worthy, fruitful. Know his will. I live his will out. Pleasing, faithful, worthy. And no more will. Live it out. Pleasing, faithful, and the life just gets more and more impacting. More. Satan hates that. Satan hates a fruitful believer. Satan hates a productive believer, a fruitful believer, a, a good works believer, a believer that is living out the good works that is that the Spirit of God is doing in him. A believer hates it when a, when a believer lives to please God. So he will say, please yourself. God is robbing you. Please yourself. He will say, God's fruit is not joyful. He will say, your own fruit is joyful. He will say, God is not worthy. God is not worthy of your worship, worthy of your, of your submission to his lordship. Satan hates it. So he stops you from praying for believers. When you don't pray for believers, they are not filled with the knowledge of his will. When you're not filled with the knowledge of will, they don't walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing, bearing fruit, increasing in the knowledge of God. And they go into an opposite reverse cycle of further and further away, not knowing what God wants. So much so that believers, some believers have now come to a place in their life where they've uh, entertained sin so much, entertained ignorance of God's word so much, entertained uh, the fleshly lust and living for themselves so much that today they have no clue what God wants. In fact, they think God is distant, God is angry, and God is frustrated with them. Not so, not so. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing. Did you get those four? Walk in a manner, number one, worthy of the of the Lord. Next one, fully pleasing to him. That's right. Next one, bearing fruit. And number four, increasing in the knowledge of God. You have come full cycle. Okay. Then we move to number three. So the first one, you should pray that they would be filled. Second one is you pray that they would walk in a manner worthy. Now, third, you pray that they would uh, uh, you pray that they would be strengthened with all power, being strengthened. Okay, that maybe me be filled. That's an ongoing thing. You're praying for an ongoing work of the work, work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. I pray for you. You pray for me. As they walk in a manner, that's an ongoing process. And number three, being strengthened. Again, present continuous, being strengthened. Okay, so we're praying that believers who are going strong may go stronger. Being fruitful will be more fruitful. Walking in a manner worthy of the being walk more in a manner worthy of the gospel. And number three, that they would be strengthened with what? With all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. You see that? For all in us, so they would be strengthened. And when they are strong, when God breathes strength into them, the work of the Holy Spirit uh, builds strength into them according to his glorious might. Might is power. Glorious might. Then they will have all endurance. Note that. All endurance. We'll come back to that. They will have patience with joy. <laughs> we'll come back to that. They'll be giving thanks to the Father. We'll come back to that. Okay? We'll come back to that. Uh, being strengthened with all power, they will have all endurance. What is the biggest thing a believer does when he gets weak? He gives up. 
Who's the first person he gives up on? When life gets tough, who's the first person he gives up on? He gives up on God, gives up on church. Church is always the first thing to suffer. God is always the first person to get blamed and to suffer in a relationship with them. Why is this the case? As we pray, they would be strong on the inside. Their roots would go deep. They would have endurance to get through to the end. We, do, we give up because we don't have endurance. You know what endurance means. You know what endurance means. Endurance is not required on a holiday. When you're lying on the beach watching the sunset, that's not when you need endurance. You need endurance when you're swimming against the tide, when you're rushing to shore, when you're reaching for the goal, when you're running for the finish line. That's when you need endurance. So God will give you power to endure, to reach the other side. And then he said, he will give you patience with joy. <laughs> Many of us have patience, but no joy. Okay? We are being patient, but we are grumbling, we are whining, we are uh, cursing and swearing as we show patience. No, this is a different kinds of pain. We are being patient with our parents, sorry, our, our husbands, patient with our wives, patient with our children, patient with our our colleagues, patient with the difficult people in our life, the extra grace uh, required people in our life. We are showing patience, but with joy, with joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength, with joy. So I am being patient, but I'm not gritting my teeth and getting through life and just, oh, I have to deal with these people. I have to deal with these people. Oh, God, I have to deal with these people. No, 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 you're not dealing with them. God gives you great joy. God gives you joy. And, and, and Satan hates that. He hates that you're able to not only get through a storm, get through a tide, get through a difficult time in your life, but go through it joyfully. He hates that. And God loves it. And it's the biggest witness when a believer is able to go through life with the fortitude that is required to deal with the difficult people in their life, but still have joy. Still enjoy the presence of God. Enjoy being a giver. Enjoy being loved. People run out of generosity when they are upset, or when they are, when they are, or when they are. What's the word? When they are uh, running out of patience with people. When you are going through a rough time, apparently you are not uh, able to give, not able to love, not able to solve, not able to care. Uh, apparently, you run out of all those abilities because you are going through a rough time. No, no, no. God makes you able to give more than you can ever give right at the time when you are least capable of giving. That is the all endurance and patience with joy that he's talking about. And number four, the fourth thing that we're praying. Number one, we're praying that they would be filled with the knowledge of, God, of his will. Number two, we're praying that they would walk in a manner worthy. You're going to be praying for people like this. You're going to actually pray God's will into their life. Number three, you're going to be praying that they be strengthened. They be strengthened. And number four, we pray uh, that they would give thanks to the Father. They would live with gratitude. That so you pray that they would live with gratitude. Gratitude is the attitude that gives people the ability to forgive and move on. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints of life. First reason to give thanks. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. Second reason to give thanks. He has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Third reason to give thanks. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Fourth reason to give thanks. Four reasons to give thanks. When you pray for them, 
you pray that they would live with gratefulness, live with gratitude. What will they be grateful for? They'll be grateful for the big things that God has accomplished for, and not never stop being grateful for that. Number one, they would be that they have been delivered from the domain of darkness. Never be, never stop being grateful for that. Number two, transferred to the kingdom of His beloved Son, that they have an inheritance in the saints in light. They have an inheritance of the saints in light. When you think about those things, and I don't have time to get into that right now. It's already been forty, almost forty-five minutes. So those are the three things, four things that God has granted, God the Father has granted to them. When believers live in the gratitude of these things, any other disappointment, any other disappointment cannot rob them of the joy of the Lord. When you're grateful for the bigger things, the smaller things that disappoint and don't show up, you are not going to lose your gratitude over that. But when you forget and lose being grateful for the big things, you become extraordinarily impatient with the smaller things that don't work your way. Like having a bad day. Like having a bad day. Like when something doesn't show up today when it was supposed to show up today. Something that stupid. You, you won't believe. I mean, you, you won't believe the, the stupid little things that will rob you of your entire day. And according to you, your whole day is gone for a six. Your mood is gone for a six. Now you can't be talked to. Now you don't want to love. You don't want to serve. You don't want to worship. Your whole joy is gone for a six because of the little thing that just didn't go your way. A grateful person who's constantly living in the gratitude of the larger things. So we pray. The fourth thing we pray is that they would live in gratitude. And when a person lives in gratitude, you can never rob that person. Satan can't rob that person. You can't rob that person. All the criticism in the world, you can't rob that person when that person is grateful. You can't can't entice a person who's grateful. You can't tempt a person who's grateful. I want to be that person. Will you pray for me that that I would be a person who lives in the gratitude, always giving thanks to the Father? I want to pray for you that you would always be that person. So then he ends with, in verse 14, in whom, that is the beloved son. You see that? I want to make a point of that. He's transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So apparently the son has a kingdom. The son is able to deliver us from the domain of darkness. So he's conquered the domain of darkness, this son. And this son has given us redemption and forgiveness of sins. That this must be an amazing son. Who's he talking about? Jesus. So from verse 15, he exalts and describes and sings the praise and just paints a beautiful picture of who Jesus is. And that's what we're going to look at for the next two weeks from next week onwards. Who Jesus is. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created. We're going to go on and on. Just delve into that. I almost did it today, but I said, you know what? Let's just wait and chew on it next week. So we're going to do that next week. What a beautiful passage of scripture. What a beautiful passage of scripture. And so from that day we heard, we have not received, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. Father God, I pray that the people who have chosen to join me tonight, that they would be filled with the knowledge of your will. Lord, in every spiritual wisdom and every bit of understanding, they would they would understand in their spirit. Their mind will always be, their mind will always be battling. 
our human mind our carnal mind will always be battling the truth of god the reality of god the wisdom of god the the decisions of god the the works of god we'll all we'll never really reconcile in our in our human mind but lord our spiritual mind that has been given to us the mind of christ that has been given to us is one with the father it is one with god it is the very word so by having that mind we have a capacity to understand god how lofty is that father i pray that for the person listening to me right now and who will listen to me over the next few days whenever they read listen to this i pray for a knowledge that they would be filled because everything about you is full everything about you is full and 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 productive i pray that they would be filled with this this woman listening to me right now this sister this brother listening to me right now would be filled with the no take their name lord god take their name and by their name pronounce from heaven a blessing of filling of the knowledge of his will i pray this for every man in my church i pray this for every woman in my church that they would be spiritually smart i don't care if they are not academically smart or emotionally smart or worldly smart lord this life is only 70 75 80 years but they're going to be in heaven forever they need your wisdom they need your understanding they need to understand things from your perspective give them that wisdom give them that wisdom in such a way that they would walk in a manner they would walk that i walk would be worthy of the the lord jesus christ if they are feeling guilty about that forgive them because right here i read in verse 14 that he is the one who gives us redemption and forgiveness of sins forgive them jesus forgive them and and give them a second chance and let them start again to walk a new walk in a manner that's worthy of jesus Lord that this this wisdom and understanding would result in walk in in them fully pleasing you not partially pleasing you but fully pleasing you not leaving any part sometimes some of us are religious minded oh god we feel like if we have pleased god for so much in our life 80% of our life 90% of our life we can compromise on 10% on one relationship or one one enjoyment one indulgence we allow ourselves lord a partial part of our life to please ourselves because in the bulk of it we believe we have pleased you no i pray that they would be fully pleasing to you oh jesus i pray that they would be productive fruitful i pray that they their outcome of their life the produce of their life would be good in every good work and that they would increase in the knowledge of god no no not knowledge about you jesus but the knowledge of you jesus that they would know you better and better more and more in an experiential gnosko knowledge of of god that word that is used there in the original lord that they would know you that they would know you you know how you know a person and therefore you act accordingly you don't have to ask them because you know them you don't have to ask what they like and what pleases them because you know them oh god i pray this brother listening to me right now this sister in the name of jesus i pray that they would have the knowledge of god that every member of my church would have the knowledge of god that they would know you personally and that i wouldn't have to tell them or cajole them or urge them to live in a way that's pleasing and fruitful some of them are weak jesus oh god some of the believers are weak 
I pray that they would be strengthened with all power in the inner man. Like we prayed in, in Ephesians chapter 3. We're praying again in Colossians chapter 1 that they would be strengthened with all power in accordance to your glorious might. Lord, a human father will give his child strength that he has. But a spiritual father, which is you, God the Father, will give the strength that you have. And we've seen Jesus and we've seen the strength and the, 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 the way he has handled life, the way he handled temptation, criticism, loneliness, betrayal, popularity, loss of popularity. He handled all of that and nothing swayed him because he stood alone. And when he stood alone, he was still pleasing to you. I pray for this brother sitting listening to me. I pray for this sister listening to me that they would be strengthened with all power. These are the these are the words of scripture. This is the will of God. Jesus, do it. Jesus, oh God, do it. Do it for them, oh God. So that your name would be blessed. So that your name will be praised. Let your church shine for you, Jesus. During COVID-19, during these pandemic times, Lord, during this time of recession, during this time of economic depravity, let your church shine. Let your people shine. Let them bear fruits of good work, increase in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power and might. And endurance, let them show endurance. Let them show patience with joy. I pray this over them. I pray this over them, that, the, that, that, that that power inside them would result in endurance, stamina, spiritual stamina, to keep running and keep smiling. Keep running and keep smiling. I pray for the believers. I pray for the believers. Let them live a life of gratitude. Seize the whinging and the whining and the complaining. Lord, let them go from whining to worship. Let them put on whining to worship. Let them change the music in their home from those who sing about what they haven't got in life to those who sing for who they have in their life. Change the music in our, in our hearts, in our homes, in our systems. Let them live with gratitude. Let them live with gratitude for what God has called us to and what he has given to us. This is my prayer to you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, I pray for everyone. If you will answer these prayer, this prayer, if you will answer these things in their life, every other need will be met. They will reach out to you. They will hold your hand. They will walk with you. They will feed off you. They will strengthen themselves in you. They will speak to their souls and say, why are you downcast on my soul? Put your hope in God. Why are you downcast on my soul? Put your hope in God. I know my Redeemer lives. Even though the Lord slay me, I will trust him. Who am I in heaven but thee? Where will I go but to your presence? Lord, that is the mindset of a believer and they will have that. And they won't need books and inspirations and Instagram and messages and people holding them up. And they won't be straying off every little time. Something doesn't work. They won't. Oh God, that they would have spiritual stamina, spiritual strength. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I praise you. I worship you. Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray the will of God. Teach us to pray in the Spirit, led by the Spirit of God. For the things that the Spirit has written down in the Word, the Spirit of God prays through us. Do we understand that? 
Do we understand that, that the Spirit of God led people to write these words and then the Spirit of God leads us to pray these words. I have just prayed these words. I have done your will. Lord, would you answer? Would you answer? Would you answer, God? Lord, would you pour poured out in our families? The husband's not walking with you. The wives who are not walking with you. Strengthen the one that's doing well. Strengthen the spouse who's doing well. That by them the other would be brought near to God. Strengthen the families that are doing well. That by them others would be brought near to God. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. It is always a joy to open God's word to you. Pray that many would want to listen, many would join, many would listen, and become hungry for the word. Hungry for the word. Thank you so much for being with you this evening. We have looked into God's word. We have prayed. If you have any questions, any thoughts, just drop it in the in the section there or text me, WhatsApp me, and I would be I would love to get back to you in another forum because we've completed our time. I will answer questions in any other forum, but I would love to do that. You know I love you because Jesus loves me. You know I love you and I serve you because Jesus loved and served me first. I'm nothing, I'm no one. But in Christ, I'm everything and I, I'm, 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 I have everything I need. And I praise God for giving me the honor and the privilege to serve his church. The Lord bless you. Have a good night. Have a good meal. Have a good rest. May he give you deep sleep. May he give you good sleep. May he wake you up tomorrow morning with a joy that you cannot, can't explain to your family. And I pray that uh, in your home, uh, worship would replace whining and joy would replace sorrow. This is my prayer. Continuing to pray for you. I love you. God bless. Take care. Good night.